Okay, so today's daf is daf Lamadalid. We pick up 20 lines down. Asterisk is in the middle of the line where it says Odom Biyardain. Um, this is a continuation of a, the Bright of a Tosefta. Um, and uh, the, in the middle of the discussion of uh, how, uh, what it looked like when they crossed uh, through, the jar, through the Yardain and uh, then into the land of Canaan and uh, erected the, uh, the stones and built the Mizbeach and did the Brachos and the Klaus and Har Krizim and Har Eva. And this is all because the Mishnah says that one of the things that could be said, uh, it's discussing what can be said in any language and what can only be said in Hebrew. And the Brachos and the Klaus were um, something that could only be said in Lashon HaKodesh, in Hebrew. And it went for a really detailed description of that, of what happened. So now we pick up. Odom Biyardain, when they Kohanim were still in the Yardain, Amalem Yoshua. So Yeshua and all, not only the Kohanim, all of Bnei Israel. Yoshua said to them, "To Understand uh, for what purpose you are crossing the Jordan. You have to understand that you are going in with the condition that you are go- committing yourselves to driving out the inhabitants of the land. It's very harsh to our modern ears. Shenemar. There's a verse in Bamidbar says, and you shall drive out all of the inhabitants of the land. Um, destroy them, drive them out. Um, if you do that, great. Then that's why you are entering in in order to take possession of the land. And if you don't act this way, then the water will come and drown you. Does it mean that if you don't agree to this right now, that um, the water will drown you? Um, or does it mean that if you don't eventually do this, then you will suffer some overflow? of the Jordan. Um, not exactly clear. Sounds a little bit more like the latter. Okay. Um, so, um, uh, okay. Um, okay. Um, okay. Or, Okay, my otichem. So, what does it mean, otichem? It will destroy otichem. Oti ve'etchem. Me together with you. The waters will come and destroy us, either if you don't agree to this condition, that is what will happen, or if you don't ultimately do this. Um, okay. Odam b'yarden, amalim Yoshua. So, now again, they're still in the yarden, and Yoshua says to them, Each person should take up a, you know, um, a, 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 a stone um, based on on the 12 tribes, so each, you know, one tribe per, 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 shave, per, per stone, uh, one stone per tribe, and then they took them from the Yardin and they erected them after they crossed over. Of Exiv, and the verse says, This shall be a sign in your midst. When your children ask you, What are these stones? Sounds very much like a Pasuk in, in Dvarim about the Korban Pesach and about the, uh, the, uh, the, the, you know, the, 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 the something that we recite in the Seder. Anyway, Yardin. So this is a remembrance, this is a sign that you should remember this miracle that for future generations that the forefathers crossed the Jordan. Again, while they were still on the Jordan, Yoshua said to them, while, you know, they're on the dry land and the water is being held back. Okay, so now this is the exact pasuk about what we described before. He says, you know, take from the Jordan from where the Kohanim was standing, 12 stones, and, um, and place it in the place in the, uh, where, we will le- where we will sleep this night. Now, so maybe it means, you know, every place where we're going to, we should carry these stones with us, and every, every encampment we should 
should erect them. No, the first encampment, that's where you will erect these stones. And again, there's a little, you know, confusion about the relationship to this and to the uh, the Mizbeach and the and the um, and the Torah that was written by Er Hetev. Anyway, this is certainly a distinctive thing. Okay. Um, I'm a Rebbe Yehuda. Said Rebbe Yehuda, a Rebbe Yosi. Abba Chalaf to Rebbe Yehuda ben Masi v'Chanan ben Chiknai. Amdu al Oson avarin. These great rabbis stood on these stones. The Shurim kol Achas v'Achas Shkula Karbaim Saah. Each one of them weighed the way of forty Saah, which is a huge, enormous weight. The Gemiri, and we have a tradition. The Tuuna de Midli Inish lechatfei Tilsa de Tuune Havei. Okay, that, and we have a tradition that the weight that a person can carry when he can lift up a weight and put it on his shoulders is only one third of the weight that he would be able to carry if somebody were to load him up. So since Yeshua said to load yourselves up with these stones, then um, then that shows us that they have the ability to carry even the weight of 120 because the stones were 40 saws, so they were enormously uh, powerful. Okay, now from here you can figure out how big the uh, you know the the grape cluster was. If each one you know with help of somebody else and with being loaded up by somebody else could carry 120 saw. It says that they carried it with a pole with two. If it says a pole, obviously you need two people, one at each end. What does it mean two? There were two poles. Okay, so um, and maybe you know there was a something a string running between them and it was supported by two poles. Um, it is poles and like poles of poles. So what this is saying is not just that there were two poles, but they're actually that there were four poles. Either this word, um, either this word um, means um, means a pole, or it means um, tortani, or it means a weight. But anyway, the way Rashi explains it is that you had two poles in parallel and two forming an X and crisscrossing, and the two forming the X were below the two in the parallel, so they were a- a- giving it additional, you know, stru- support, and therefore, and by those eight people. People carried it, and through the and through them, you know, four poles, eight people, and imagine how much it weighed if one person alone could carry forty saw just by putting it on his own, and there he had ability to carry one hundred and twenty saw with other people helping or with other people loading him up. Imagine what it means for eight people to carry it. Okay, so. Um, Okay, so where are we? I'm ready, okay. Um, so eight, here we have mentioned four poles, carried one uh, cluster of grapes. Um, um, one carried a pomegranate. One carried a fig. Um, and they didn't carry anything because they knew that the bringing back of this fruit was all a part of the way of making the people scared and it really wasn't a way of praising the land. Um, either because they were too important to have to do any of the carrying, as I was saying, because they were not part of that whole plot. Now, um, before you go on, I would draw your attention to Rashi. Um, Rashi says um, that if you look at Rashi, he says, Odom uh, excuse me, uh, the Rashi of take, you know, from under where the Kwanim are standing. So the people lifted up stones and the Kwanim stood on the stones and then they took the stones from under where the Kwanim were. And Rashi says, They were the ones that were put up in Har Eval and they built the Mizbeach. So it seems like that they are connected to the Torah that was being written on the stones and then they were taken down and then they were re-erect, you know, you know, put back up in Gilgal. So again, there are three things here. There's the, there's the altar, there's the writing the Torah on stones, but and there are these 12 stones, and exactly figuring out their relationship is not at all uh, simple. Okay, now back, back to the last line of the Gemara. Um, 
Now we're going back to this issue about how high the waters of the Yardin piled from yesterday. If you remember, um, the um, the first position of Rabbi Yehuda was it was 12 mil because the camp was, um, uh, was 12 mil, 12 approximately kilometers, and it took them 12. So the time it takes for the people to move 12 kilometers, the waters rose up those, you know, those 12 kilometers. Of course, that assumes that the rate of the water is equal to the rate of the people, which is what Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Shimon, pushes back. And he says, no, it was 25 times that. Okay, that's what he says. It was, um, it was 300 mil. So, because the waters are fast, much faster than the people's rate. So the Gemara says like this. So this was a debate. According to Rabbi Yehuda, that they that they passed it through the Yardin the way they were encamped, which was a square of twelve by twelve, and that's why it took twelve meal to pass through. According to Rabbi Shimon, no, they became a they they went into like you know into a, more of a more of a uh, um, of a single not a single file, but you know more of a marching procession of a line and not of a square, and therefore it took them a lot longer, and that's why the waters piled a lot higher. Now that's a little strange because we already saw that their debate was about you know the, that Rabbi that Rabbi Shimon is saying the waters just go a lot faster than the people travel. It's not because they're going, you know, in a line rather than in a square. But anyway, the Gemara says maybe this is also part of his position. So, so the Gemara says, No, this is the simple reading of their debate. They both agree that they went like they encamped in a 12 by 12 square. One person says that a person is as fast as the water, which is a little crazy to imagine that. No, the waters are much faster. Okay, so, um, and, um, so, um, so that's exactly what it sounds like the debate actually is. Um, now, it also has a whole huge discussion because um, since the whole Yardane was only um, 50 almost wide, uh, Tosos tries to uh, figure out, you know, if they were all in the Yardane when Yehoshua um, gave them the announcements that we just read that he gave them and the conditions and the stipulations, Tosos sort of says they would have to all have like, you know, as they were getting into the Yardane, moved down into the, you know, lower down after they entered in, but then uh, to make room for the other people. Because if you think about of 50 almost wide and the camp is 12 mil um, which is um, which, which is 2400 amos that means that there were like 480 units of you know of, of people in the yardane of a 12 mil, of a 12 mil wide by 50 mil you know people then you had to get 480 of those to get the whole camp. So that's a lot of moving down the Yardin and moving on the other side. Um, and Tosos tries to figure out if the Yardin was even long enough to make that happen. Anyway, so he does the math. Now, the Gemara continues. Since we're talking about Yoshua and crossing over and, you know, and entering in, and we mentioned the, you know, Yoshua and Kalev and bringing back from the land, uh, obviously there's a lot of parallels here between what they did when they entered the land and the sending of the spies. So now we're going to look at the sending of the spies. And we're going to try to figure out, do some, you know, uh, working together of the version of it when what happens in Shlach, and then when it's told over in Dvarim. Shlach lecha nashim, send for you people. Amr yishlach yishlach lecha midatcha. 
okay? Go and do it, you know, on, you, you know, you, you do it if you want to. This is to reconcile it where in Dvarim, you know, it says the people, you came to me, you, the people came to me. So here it sounds like in Shlach, it sounds like God is telling him. So by you combine them, the people came and then God said, you do it if you want to do it. You know, would somebody actually make, you know, would God have commanded this if it was going something that was going to end the way it did? So obviously this was only giving them allowance to do it, you know, if the people wanted to do it, but it was not coming from God. That's the way Rashi reads that line. Um, okay, so now the Gemara continues. And this is what is meant by the verse. It was good in my eyes. I thought it was good. God gave me the allowance to do it, but God himself would not have made this choice. Obviously, look at how it ended. Okay. Let them search out for us to land. They were trying to, you know, they were trying to shame Israel. They were very intent on finding the bad stuff, making it like a whole issue from the very beginning. Um, that the that the, the the moon will be shamed and the and the, and the sun will be embarrassed. So it's a word vayachpor can mean to be like ashamed. So they were trying to embarrass the um, the land. Okay, the Elush Mosam. These are their names. We have a tradition from our forefather, from you know going back generations. The spies, you know, they were the names they were given in the Torah, meaning they were. They were reflecting their actions about how, what they, the bad thing that they did about reporting on the land. Presumably, does that mean that their parents it worked out that the parents gave them names and that's how it played out? Does it mean that uh, the Torah is giving them more, you know, uh, nicknames based on this? Not exactly clear, but anyway, their names reflect eventually what happens. Okay, um, and we know that this is true about all twelve of them, but we only were able to figure out how this works for one of them. Sesor ben Michael, Sesor the son of Michael, Sesor shesatar masav shalakadosh baruchu. Sesor means to destroy, destroy the acts of God, meaning God's desire to bring them in, you know, to the, um, you know, to the, uh, to, to the land. Um, and, um, uh, okay, and, Michael shasa atzmo mach. He made himself, and this is like a euphemism, he made like El, Michael. He made it like God was weak, that said that God would not have the power to bring them into the land. Oh, this is, let's see if we can figure out some of the others. This is an interesting game. Okay, so we can also say, Nachbi ben Vafsi. Okay, how, how can we interpret that? Nachmi means he like hid God's words, meaning that he um, he did not report things as they were. You know, he hid the truth and the, 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 the and, and what God certainly what God would be able to do to help them with the land. Upasi, um, what does pasi mean? He like skipped over you know God's uh, attributes, like you know ignored God's attributes um, and did not give it them recognize the power that God would have. Um, okay, they went up in the south and they came to Hebron. Me, by the way, it says Negev, so it's at Hebron. What's Vayavo singular? Kalev separated out from the sort of the scheme, you know, the plan of the Meraglim. 
And so not only did it mean he held himself and he did not agree to go along, but he physically broke off from the group and went on a little, you know, venture of his own. And he went and he prostrated himself on the uh, grave of the fathers, of, of the forefathers, Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, who are in Hebron and the Imahot. And my, you know, fathers, ask for compassion for me. That I should be saved from the plot. You know, it's very hard to stand up against that uh, pressure. And that's why the Torah says, You know, he had that courage. He was able to withstand it. So he went to Hebron and he prayed. And of course, you know, why are we identifying Kalev? Um, A, because of the Ruach HaCharas, and the Torah sort of singles that out. But also, eventually, you know, Kalev got Hebron when they went into the land. And if you look at Rashi, um, um, uh, um, um, actually, we're going to get up to in a minute. Okay. Yoshua didn't have to pray because Moshe had already prayed on his behalf. So what does Yoshua mean? God should save you from the, from the plan of the scheme of the Meraglim. I knew to save, and because um, Kalev went to Hebron to pray, that fits out when it says, It's because he had a different spirit. So what's, what's the point? So it says, And I will bring him, and that's what Rashi points out, the land he went to. So what does it mean? It's very particular, not the whole land of Canaan, specifically Hebron, and we know that in the end, Kalev got Hebron. By the way, very interesting, if you look at Tosros, that the dead don't know anything. So, you know, once they're dead, they're dead. So how can you pray? It's not like they have their spirits and you can talk to them and you can pray to them. Of course, we know that often people will do. So, even the great Avon Yitzchan Yaakov don't know what's going on in this world. If you pray, then up in heaven, they, they'll, they'll inform them, down there on the earth, somebody is praying to you for the, that wants your help in X, Y, and Z. You know, you to help impede, you know, pray to God. Um, okay. And there's this idea that the dead will, you know, pray on our behalf. Um, it's a very sensitive issue because some rationalist rabbis were very against it because it winds up our people really, you know, praying, praying, to, asking for their help to pray, or are they praying to the dead, you know, and the whole idea of an intermediary between yourself and God and so on. But anyway, clearly, uh, you know, we see that there is some element of this, and it both has to be dealt with uh, theologically, like about what does it mean to, what's the proper way in which one solicits the aid of the dead, and, you know, and also the question about metaphysically, like, you know, do they really know and aware of what's happening? Okay, now we continue with the Gemara. There was Achiman, Shishai, and Tamai, the uh, children of the giant. Um, Achiman, so what does it mean? He was like the right-hand man. He was the strongest. That he made the land like, like you know, like, like Rashi says, like deep um, uh, impressions. He was so heavy. You know, he made like these deep craters in the land. Tamai, also made the lands like furrows because their steps were so deep. Um, you know, they made these like craters. This is not really a davar acher. It's not. A, it's not explaining the name of the meaning of their word of their word of their names. But it's telling you a point. Achiman built the city Anat. Shishai bana Alash. Tamai bana Talbush. Okay. What does it mean? Children of the Anak. That they are like um, you know. 
that they like, the word anak can mean like a neck. So Rashi says like their neck pierces through the heaven, you know, and they sort of, and or it looks like it's piercing through the sun. They're so high. Okay. The Chavon, Shevet Shanim Nivnesan, Chavon was built seven years before Tzohan of Egypt. My Nivnesan, what does it mean built? Elaim and Nivnesan, Mamet, was built seven years after Adam Bonin, Baez of Noah Katan. So Knan was the youngest son. Is it possible? Kodim Liv Noah Gadol, Tichsiv, Necham Kushim, you know, Futu Knan, that the children of Cham, you know, Mitzrayim comes well, well before Canaan. So why would Ham have built a son for Canaan, a, a city for Canaan, because Hebron is in the land of Canaan, before he built a city for his older son, for, for, uh, you know, Mitzrayim, the city of Tzohan. Ella, so what does it mean it was built seven years before? It was seven times more built up. Now, presumably not the city, but the land itself was seven times better than the land of Tzohan. Now, this is, of course, a little bit ironic because you have no place in Israel that's more, like, rocky, un- in- unfertile, you know, than Hebron. That's why the better, dead are buried there because it's not good land for anything else. And there is no land that is more fertile than the land of Egypt. Like the Garden of God. There's no better fertile place in all of Egypt than so on. That the officers that were sent, like the dignitaries, you know, for um, to, um, 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 from Israel, from the land of Israel to Mitzrayim, they dwelt in so on. That obviously was a very important city. Presumably it's one of the best cities, or the best. So, so even though Hebron is like the, the, the most rocky, and so on is the most fertile, it's seven times more built up. I don't know what built up means. So, you know, Rashi says, so, I, is that, so what is it saying? How could it, this land be rocky and that land be fertile and this be more built up by bears? It's probably more easy to understand this as a spiritual statement rather than as a the physical quality of the land. Okay, so then it says like this, um, the Chevron Tarshimavi was Chevron really like this rocky place. Let me go, you know, back to Chevron. He went to Chevron to bring um, sheep that he, you know, for if he says, I want to go bring a sacrifice. So, Vitania, Eli Mimo, if you want the good rams, you get them from Moab. Um, 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 and Kvasim Michevron. Um, and the, if you want uh, sheep, you know, good, uh, then you, lambs, you get, the, you get them from Hebron. So presumably, if it's a rocky place, that's not where you have lambs. No, the Gemara says, no, no, that's exactly the point. I need a klisha, ara, avdaraya. Okay, v'sham in kinyana. Because the land is weak and doesn't have a lot of, like, it's not so fertile, that's good grazing land. That's when you have all of that, like, you know, grass and, you know, other vegetation and you're not growing other things. And that makes you have, you know, good uh, fatty flocks. So, okay. Go figure that one out, and we will pick up with you this tomorrow.